Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today's message comes from the Old Testament reading of Ecclesiastes chapter 8, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, when we started going through the book of Ecclesiastes, who would have thought that some of the things going on in our world today, we would find some words that would speak to us and be applicable to us in a book that was written around 3,000 years ago. Obviously, God knew because he knows everything. And Solomon, being so wise, also probably would know too, as we can remind ourselves of Ecclesiastes 1 that said, there is nothing new under the sun. Generations before us have gone through similar things to what we have. Sure, 3,000 years ago, they didn't have to live stream their services because they weren't able to meet in large groups. But they were told to listen to, obey those who were in charge. As we see in the beginning of this chapter, the words to keep the king's command because of God's oath to him. Listen to the king because he is supposed to be God's agent for the people. Or as we hear from Paul in Romans 13, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Now we're not going to speak too much about the government today, but the connection we make to Ecclesiastes, to Romans, to today, is that we are listening to those in authority which is why there are only a handful of us here, and the majority of you are not here. And as we think about obeying, listening to those in power, the commands of the king, if you will, I'm reminded of the words God the Father spoke of Jesus at his transfiguration. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. We also know that not every king who ever reigned or every government that ever existed was an agent for God and the good news of his word. There was only one agent, or shall we say one go-between, one mediator between God and his people. And that is what brings us to Palm Sunday in the midst of Ecclesiastes. Today we celebrate Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem as he is welcomed by those adoring crowds, many of whom had seen his miracles. Maybe they'd been fed by the loaves and fish. Maybe they'd seen Jesus raising people from the dead. And we know that the Lazarus crowd is there. Maybe others saw Jesus casting out demons, healing the blind with his spit, making the lame walk. This was the guy that was going to take back the throne and overthrow the Romans. And that's why we see them cry out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. Hosanna means save us. Save us now. And these words go all the way back to Psalm 118, where you hear the same phrase that is now proclaimed to Jesus. This was the one from the line of David, who is going to save the people. The other interesting connection we can make with Palm Sunday and Ecclesiastes is the fact 
that Jesus rides on a donkey, not a war horse like you might expect a king to. And many years before, as King David nears his death, he tells the people to anoint Solomon as the new king. And what does he ride to be anointed? David's very own mule. It's like a symbolic throne, David's throne, that Solomon rides as he is anointed as king. And here on Palm Sunday, Jesus rides this donkey like a symbolic throne into Jerusalem, and he is welcomed like David or Solomon would have been. Hosanna, indeed. Let's go back to Ecclesiastes and read verse 4 of chapter 8. For the word of the king is supreme, and who may say to him, what are you doing? You may have said this phrase to someone at some point in your life, or it's been said to you, or maybe you've even said it to yourself. What are you doing? To a child that's doing something they know they shouldn't be doing, what are you doing? You are supposed to be doing your homework and instead you're watching TV. What are you doing? Ecclesiastes is telling us that the word of the king is supreme and we shouldn't doubt him by questioning his actions, his motives. Yet how many times do we do that to others? Or others do it to us? Your parents, your boss, your friends, your spouse, anyone. What are you doing? You can imagine even the disciples felt this way about Jesus. Last week's gospel reading was the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. But when the word comes to Jesus that Lazarus was sick, what does he do? He stayed two days longer in the place where he was. You can imagine being a disciple with Jesus and they're looking at one another and they're like, what is he doing? We're wasting time. We should be going to see Lazarus. Of course, Jesus' words are supreme. And if he hadn't taken his sweet time, we wouldn't have received the beautiful words from him before he raises Lazarus from the dead, that he is the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in him, even though he dies, yet shall he live. As we celebrate Palm Sunday, imagine having been there, seeing Jesus riding into Jerusalem as your new king, the one who is going to save you, and what does he do? He brings in an army and conquers the Romans. No. He cleanses the temple, kicking out his own people. He speaks in parables, things you don't understand. He just, like, sits and teaches all day. Some king. His actions, after he enters the city, might make you want to say to him, What are you doing? Like, do something that's going to help us against the Romans. This isn't the king we expected. I thought you were going to overthrow our enemies and sit on the throne of David and rule over us. Fight. Take a stand against them, not against other Jews. Help us. Save us. And you will save us. Just not how we expected. As Ecclesiastes reminds us, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Or as chapter 8 puts it, 
for there is a time and a way for everything, although man's trouble lies heavy on him. The people who welcome Jesus thought their greatest trouble was with the Romans. For many of us today, our greatest trouble is COVID-19. The concerns, burdens, troubles that this virus has brought to our world lie heavy on us. The reality of us getting it or someone we love getting it, even worse, dying from it, can be hard for us to bear. The uncertainty of when life will ever get back to normal is a question we can ask on a daily basis. When will we be able to go back to work, to gather with friends and family, to celebrate birthdays as one family? When will we be able to gather together in worship? The answer is given to us as we continue reading. For he does not know what is to be. For who can tell him how it will be? The season of life we're in, we don't know when it's going to end. How many lives will be lost? How it's going to work out for us? We can't see the future. And none of us know when our lives are going to end. No man has any power over their day of death. Except the God-man, Jesus Christ. He said to the Jews who questioned his authority and power, Destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. But he was speaking about the temple of his body. As we start our journey this Holy Week, we go to the cross and to the empty tomb. Jesus says, true God and true man has the power to lay down his life, only to take it back up again. And Jesus has to do this because of our greatest trouble, our biggest problem. And that's sin. It's not a sickness or a disease or a virus. It's sin. It has been passed down to all of us from Adam and Eve. That's original sin. We're born with it. We are born sinners. And it causes us to do actual sins. And sin leads to death. And not just physical death, but eternal death. Hell. What we deserve, what all of us deserve for our sins, is not just being six feet apart from God, but being eternally separated from him. And not just a few of us, but all of us, because we have all sinned. The consequences are the same for everyone. So when we shout, Hosanna, save us, we need Jesus to save us from our sins. Not any form of government or any kind of illness. Sin. And that's who Jesus is. It was spoken of before his birth that he would save his people from their sins. And that's exactly what he did. The only way to defeat sin, Satan, and death was for Jesus to die. And he knew what he was doing all along, even if the people didn't. So as the cheers of Hosanna turned into shouts of crucify him, he was saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. As he was nailed to the cross, hanging there, and the one thief on the cross asked for a miracle, saying, Save yourself and us. 
Jesus said, I am. In order to save you, I have to die. He was saying, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Only in Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead can our greatest troubles and problems be defeated once and for all. And so on this Palm Sunday, when many expected Jesus to wear that earthly crown, he chose the crown of thorns instead because he knew it was the only way. And he did it out of his great love for you, for me, for all of us. In this time of uncertainty, of not knowing what the future holds, we know who holds the future, Jesus Christ. And we have been given the assurance that nothing can separate us from his love for us. His death, his resurrection, it's all for you. He has saved us. He has defeated the devil, sin, and death. He is not dead. He is alive. Blessed is he, the one true king. Hosanna to the highest, indeed. Amen. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.